Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm going to get it. I know I'm going to get it. I can't wait. Every little step brings me closer to the gift. Can't be late. Rip it open in a second and it's time to play. I was up all night in anticipation. Feeling electric jewels of jubilation. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. Uh, my name is John Troop and I am Deputy Managing Editor here at Lookout Landing. I am joined today by two of my co-workers and friends here. Uh, first, as always, uh, we have Managing Editor Kate Prusser. Kate, how are you today? I'm good. I'm actually in full voice for the first time in a while. I have finally shed my TB cough and am... Rejoining the land of the living, only to have you say that you are not one hundred percent. Yeah, my impeccable editing uh, hand will cast uh, cast out just about every single cough, sniffle, uh, you name it. But I am definitely uh, this. This is my flu pod. Um, <laughs> flu pod. <laughs> my flu pod. Uh, joining me as well, joining us rather, is uh, as well staff writer Matthew Roberson. Matthew, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing pretty well. I'm much healthier than you guys, which is a positive, I guess. Excellent. If this is John's flu pod, I will play the role of the Utah Jazz, and John can just <laughs> dunk on me consistently, but I'll provide a nice little footnote for history. Thank you. So self-sacrificing, Matthew. That is really, what really I do. One of the things I value about you. I'm gonna do, set do some screens. F- I'm gonna rebound. I'm gonna do all the dirty work. Say, do you have a favorite Utah Jazz player of all time? Of all time. 
Ooh, boy. I liked when... I think he was on the Suns when he did this, but I liked Raja <laughs> Bell when he clotheslined Kobe. That was awesome. <laughs> Big fan of that's, that. I think that's about on brand, the, 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 the most notable jazz And I like Mehmet Okur. Yeah, sure. Why <laughs> not? guys. <laughs> I just like I like that they had a just like really strong like uh, Greg Ostertag was on the Jazz right Oh yeah a legend in his own yeah. right Yeah Anyways I mean, you could totally just be making up names right now and I have no idea and yeah. I'm grateful that both of you are nice enough that you would never troll me like that I mean that's like, kind of oh, the NBA Yes yes <laughs> um, Arvan Harmonica yes remember him <laughs> Oh of course of course Great Monica, shooter. the music yeah, man. I, I mean, you could create a whole alternate NBA history, and I would just be none the wiser. So. I will say, if there was a guy named Arvin Harmonica on the Utah Jazz, you would never hear from me ever again. <laughs> I would just devote my life to him. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, we uh, we are going to talk about some baseball uh we'll we'll probably mainly focus on the utah jazz uh fictional utah jazz players but we're gonna we're gonna try and (laughs) cover a little bit of mariners activity uh since there there's been one real major move since we last talked to you we we hinted at the gene segura trade likelihood Uh, i think we even actually accurately predicted he would go to the phillies but uh, since we've last spoken, Gene Segura has joined the Phillies in uh, uncertainty, along with James Pazos and Juan Nicasio. So weird. Uh, which, <laughs> yeah, which I just trade. forget often uh, that they also are there. That we have uh, no bullpen anymore. Yeah, I there are not any. Yeah. Well, you know, you have them. They're they're in there. They're in the, you know, they're in Modesto and whatnot. But they're they're fine. Um, I mean, you're, I'm ready you're Joey to see Gerbers. A, <laughs> I'm ready to see a lot of uh, Matt Festa and his high socks. Like, let's yes. be clear about that. And yes. I'm desperately hoping Art Warren doesn't get taken in the Rule Five draft. Although we'll cover that later. But yeah, we Indeed. have we have no relievers anymore Indeed. because no back end. The entire back end of the bullpen is gone. Colome, yeah. Nicasio, Diaz, all gone. And Pazos. And Pazos, um, yes. And Nick Vincent. Literally and all Nick of them. And Nick Vincent. Yes. Yeah. Literally the entire back half of the... Of the <laughs> That's fun. It's and fun. the two guys <laughs> we got last year, Duke and Zach Warren. Duke, Adam Warren. agents who were actively <laughs> trying to bring down the Mariners from the inside. Yeah. Did not take much of a push. But out. actually, let's not forget uh, Tui. Tui will be fun if he's back. That's I don't know how severe that injury is. Supposedly mid-season is, I think, the aim. But yeah, he he should be back, and he's Just around. Just in for a time while. to get traded at the deadline. <laughs> I think a little earlier than mid-season. They said he wouldn't be ready for spring, but I think his rehab has been progressing fairly normally. So. Hopefully, then they'll know, have Alta Alta Villa back and some other. First third of the season, yeah, Alta Villa should be back from his arm injury. Mysterious, mysterious, unoperated upon arm injury, but yeah, he's we'll out there working one. hard. He built himself a whole training setup in his like garage, which seems pretty cool. Sounds about of right. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. He's got like a whole mini <laughs> drive line set up in there, and has festooned it with like um, neon signage and everything to really give it that feeling of an actual gym. I, I appreciate oh, yeah. that attention to detail. 
<laughs> he is an unattentive man. But yeah, well, it's going to be a real young, real unproven crew in the bullpen. Indeed. Well, the Mariners did get back a couple people who uh, who probably will... Well, one of them will likely be playing a significant role for the Mariners for your, hopefully years to come. Uh, the other probably will not play any role for the Mariners whatsoever this year uh, in the return of... So shortstop J.P. Crawford and first baseman Carlos Santana. Uh, so, I are you guys excited about? You know, we're about a week removed. It feels like I don't know, like months at this point. It's been, but it was a week ago, uh, and you know, last Monday when all of these trades officially went down. Uh, you know, where where do you guys feeling about these? Uh, both Santana and Crawford as a return. Um, go ahead, Matthew. Thank you. Um, I'm trying not to, like, get too wrapped up in Carlos Santana just because I feel like he won't be on the team. Um, I guess the whole thing is, like, I'm interested to see what they can get for him, so he interests me mm-hmm. in a way that I'm, like, almost using him. I guess the Mariners are kind of using him as just a way to, you know, pilfer some other prospects or whatever they're going for. It is interesting. Um, some people have noticed this and have said it on Twitter um, that he hasn't, like, officially, like, mentioned that he's on the Mariners yet. Like, Carlos Santana hasn't posted anything. Like, thank you, Seattle. I'm so happy to be here. Like, it almost seems like <laughs> no, he knows no, that yeah. he will not play for this team. So I'm not really too concerned about that. Um, JP I assume Crawford, that that's because they've talked to him, right? Don't you think they've they've probably said like you hey, would hope, yeah, look to flip you, yeah. I think once you're a veteran, you get accorded a certain level of respect. Yeah, I mean, let's hope that it's not like we're you know pissing someone else off, even though he's not actually playing on the team. Like I would hope that there was some conversation um, with Crawford. I, like the only thing to do, I think, is try to be optimistic, which I know is hard for a lot of people. But, I mean, I don't, like, have a hard opinion on him. I've never really seen him play extensively. I just know that he had the prospect um, pedigree. But, like, you know, if he's bad, their whole plan is, like, I guess we're going to sign some shortstop at the winter meetings. So, like, we are going to have some sort of backup plan. I don't feel like we need to be rushing him necessarily. Like, there are ways to do this where it's not, like, you know, his whole career hinges on the first 50 games of this season. Because I think that would be foolish to, like, expect him to be, you know, an all-star shortstop who's hitting second and, you know, getting all-star votes or whatever. I think it's safe to kind of just let him progress naturally and maybe not put, you know, a world of expectations on him. So I'm just kind of going with the flow on J.P. Crawford. I want to love him and I want him to be great. But if he's not, it's like Tacoma's not too far away. You know, we'll see you in a couple months. He's got a good personality, which I I appreciate, you know, injecting some fun. Um, I do like the move of trying to get some top 100 talent into. I mean, Crawford doesn't count as a prospect anymore, but uh, so he doesn't technically help bolster the farm system rankings. But just building that depth that we've settled along that they don't really have in the minors. I read the MILB Mariners All-Star report or whatever, one for each position, and it was really grim on the, <laughs> really grim on the infield and kind of the outfield, too. Um, 
And there were two outfielders and an infielder that is no longer in the organization. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Naming Bryson Brinkman as the all-star who's been a Marlin for like the last four months, something like that. Yep. Yeah, it's rough. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Um, I like taking the chance because that's what you need to do when you're rebuilding. I think you need to take chances and you have the flexibility to take chances on big talent with a high variance. Um, and just mm. try to get as much of that as you can, as opposed to constantly trading for these like MLB adjacent low ceiling guys that they've been clearing out the lower levels of the farm system to get to. But that being said, uh, it is a little worrying to me that Crawford is so close to the majors and hasn't had a lot of success up there yet. I think it's fair to say he was rushed through Philly's system somewhat. I mean, when you're 20 and playing in double A, you know, he crushed the lower levels and they were just like advance, advance, advance. And I think that he didn't have a ton of time to develop into himself really. And then he was in the majors and then they had traded Freddie Galvis away and he had to like take over. And it's a lot of pressure for a young guy. I think especially a guy who kind of came up in that Southern California baseball culture, which I think is so competitive and really you know, you're in there every day with all these other guys at showcases and you have a lot of early success. And one thing I'm always interested in with baseball players is how they rebound when they first fail, because generally you're dealing with players who have not failed at any level until they get to pro ball. And then they're going to encounter some kind of failure at whatever level it is. So I'm always interested in how they bounce back from that. Um, John, I know that you've been doing a little bit of digging into Crawford, and there are some questions about his ability to stick at shortstop. Um, there's There have been some errors made there, and we kind of looked at some of them together, and I thought it was interesting. Why don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about what you found in studying those in, in preparation for an upcoming article? Yeah, I, mean, I, I watched every error that Crawford made at shortstop this I know, past I saw your year. t-shirt. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, it was pretty much all throwing errors and the vibe I got was pretty strongly, oh, we have Brad Miller again, but <laughs> like, uh, which, you know, has its good and it's bad, right? I mean, you know, you, you have, you know, the, the thing you always saw with Miller was great speed you know, great athleticism, and if he can really put it together a little bit more, uh, you know, there's an offensive profile there that looks great at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nice thing with Crawford is, I mean, mechanically, Brad Miller always looked like a disaster waiting to happen crazy at shortstop. Legs. Crazy uh, yes, legs. yeah, I mean, it was crazy legs. Uh, Crawford does not look like that. Crawford looks the way, you, like, you know, when he fields a ground ball, it looks the way that you're supposed to look when you field a ground ball. Um, he just, you know, whether it was, I mean, you know, he, he had uh, some sort of, I believe it was a forearm injury or some sort of injury. It was um, a forearm strain. Yeah, you know, early in the season, which maybe that was impacting him earlier. Or maybe that was, you know, maybe not. But certainly, I mean, his, his throws were a little bit inconsistent despite defensively his reputation being quite good. And then I think he was just frustrated ultimately later in the season. Uh, but 
yeah, I mean, th- there's sort of been a fair amount of rumbling about the Phillies really screwing up and screwing with his uh, development, especially the last couple of years where Freddie Galvis blocked him and they moved him off of shortstop to third base, and then he was, you know, playing off and on at his position. And, um, you know, it's certainly encouraging, I guess I would say, that the Mariners have at least one year of mostly meaningless baseball results-wise mm-hmm. to give him to, uh, you know, hopefully get a little bit of confidence and then, you know, really get back to being, you know, the the type of player that you you had once seen in him, which, you know, they have probably five years of, you know, of, of him under contract control, presuming that they perform the expected shenanigans with his service time out of the gate and keep him in the minors for the first five weeks, I think it'll be, which, you know, is not entirely unjustifiable, but at the very least, you know, you'll see him probably up in a couple months into the season and then you'll get, you know, a a good look at a 24-year-old with tons of potential still uh, playing playing shortstop, which is pretty cool uh, and, and is something worth being excited about. Yeah, I think it's important to to uh, remark upon the idea that where when we talk about the Phillies screwing up, um, he was promoted really aggressively starting in 2016. When again, remember, he was a 20 year old at Double A. That was already a really aggressive assignment, and he did perform well there. So they. S- sent him up to AAA as like a 21 year old and he got the majority of his plate appearances there in 2016 um and you know kind of struggled he still didn't strike out a bunch he's not struck out a bunch until these most recent until this most recent year really Mm. this recent two years um so it really starts in 2016 he had been advanced to AAA which was pretty aggressive he didn't do great there he went to triple a again in 2017 he had a very slow start to the year there turned things around and then they brought him up to the majors which i think was like supposed to reward him but also felt aggressive and it wasn't a great outing for him i mean he defensively put up a lot of value but offensively was struggled and then 2018 was just kind of a lost year with, like, again, some struggles at AAA, some mental problems where he wasn't hitting at all, and then he started hitting, and um, then up to the big league club again, and just all of this amid the injuries. I, I think J.P. Crawford is better than his last two years suggest, and the club could have also eased him in a little more. And, and while it is service time to send him to Tacoma, I really hope it'll also be kind of a reset for him and they leave him down there, not just because of the service time, but they leave him down there so he can really regain his footing, regain some confidence and feel better about himself because mentally that has to be hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I mean, he's one of the types of guys that you, you makes less competitive seasons fun, right? Cause you, you can very much just watch and see, okay, this player has these tools at any given time you might see flashes of what hopefully is going to make a really great player in a few, in a year or two or in a few years so um that's uh 
it's going to be neat to watch, even even as it might be rough around the edges early on. So beyond Crawford, uh, Carlos Santana also obviously came back in the deal, and based on everything that we've seen from beat reporters, from musings, from as Matthew mentioned earlier the complete social media silence of any indication that he has become a member of the Mariners. Uh, Carlos Santana does not seem likely to make it to opening day in a Mariners uniform. Um, So we got a couple of questions about that, understandably. He is team repeal the teal. Indeed. Not want that anywhere near him. Indeed. Um, we uh, We got a question from David Newland. At C Fant's, uh, C Fantex. Uh, I, I believe it is C Fantex. Like uh-huh. he's a Seattle fan in Texas. There I don't think go. it's George Fant using his burner account. <laughs> no, John's <laughs> thing sounded like a prescription drug. C Fantex. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's just when you when you need to not be a Mariners fan anymore, take C Fantex. <laughs> When you need to forget 17 years of your life. Semantics. <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Contains, yeah. Side effects may include Mets fandom. or <laughs> Rays fandom. <laughs> oh, um, Alright, so the question is, does Carlos Santana ever get a plate appearance wearing a Mariners uniform in a regular season game? Uh, and what type of a return might he fetch? Uh, so here's, here's my thing. Yeah, I I hope he doesn't. Like I don't want him on the Mariners because mm-hmm. I'd like he can only pretty much play first base or DH, and mm-hmm. that is also only where Dan Vogelback can play. That's and true. It's like right. if we're gonna do this rebuild, we have to see what we have on the actual team right now. Like the young guys are here to hopefully make us better in 2021, and if we're just gonna sign Carlos Santana and like you know, punt a season of Dan Vogel back again, then that seems pointless. So and I so hope cool Carlos Santana does Dan Vogel back. I know. Like, it seems like he made someone mad somehow, which I hope didn't happen because he seems so lovable. But, yeah, I don't want Carlos Santana on this team. Um, I hope the return is nice. I mean, you guys could probably speak to that a little more than me. Um, I don't know what necessarily we're looking for. I've heard us link to the Rockies on that front. I have no idea what the Rockies farm looks like or what is really going on in Colorado but if that is the move then I hope that we could get like my thing that I want is like let's go like really really young that's why I'm really stoked on Kalanick and like the guys that are going to take a few years like obviously I love Julio Julio. Mm -hmm. I don't want this to be a thing where it's like the Rockies are giving us their prospect who's close to the big leagues but is like 26 27 because then it's like no I want the guy who's like (laughs) 20 or like 21 you know like yeah. we're gonna groom yeah. him and have his entire major league career be with the mariners yeah i mean basically just like reset back to where you know the types of guys that the mariners were dealing for a few years right like a bunch of 19 20 21 year olds who were like low maybe lower percentage to actually be something but had some sort of significant major league skill Right, instead of the one thins, which we were dealing out in, uh, was that the Rumbelow deal? 
Um, I believe he so. The deal. <laughs> yeah, and the Alexander Campos is for yes. Healy. I want the opposite of the Rumbelow deal in mm-hmm. every possible way. <laughs> and if you are keeping score at home, uh, you may now drink uh, <laughs> for Kate's Kate uh, weekly <laughs> Nick Rumbelow <laughs> rage. Diatribe, yes. Yeah. Uh, Kate, do we have any updates on him, by the way? What what's going on in Nick Rumbelow's life? Do you mean is there any more any more shirtless snow yoga going on? No, I don't know. Ah, that I, is what I meant. So I, yeah. appro- I approach his Instagram with fear and trembling. Uh, every time there was like a shirtless coonskin cap picture, it's it's just a lot. He's a lot. Everything you've described about this, which I haven't really kept track of seems great so i actually have like gained enthusiasm it's not not great um and also i mean i can't ever not resent him for that trade because that's been (laughs) so poor and i liked uh that was jp sears right strikeout machine jp sears it was was jp sears and it was and Juan who's crawled onto the yankees top prospect list which you know is not exactly an easy feat Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that's I yes I want the opposite of those trades as much as possible. Like let us farm out our because we don't have a, really any MLB adjacent guys unless we start dealing out guys that we've gotten in trades for even lower prospects. Um, but I want to just talk about this Ringer article that I read about trading prospects and how. Generally, the club that gets ML this was Ben Lindbergh's most recent piece. Generally, the club that Oop. gets MLB pros or MLB players does better than the team that gets prospects. And this is on a like war basis, right? Yes, yes. Um, which I am interested. I do think that there's like a culture thing in the article. Lindbergh argues that it's um, it's because player who's trading away player or the team that's trading away the players knows things that the other team doesn't so mm-hmm. they have insider information and especially when it's guys who like jesus montero are mm. mlb adjacent you've been able to see the problems that maybe haven't jumped out to prospect evaluators who only see these guys once a month once a couple times a month if you're lucky yeah. so that kind of gave me pause. But then I think about somebody like Jared Kelnick, who's going to have an opportunity to really... He's so young. He hasn't mm-hmm. been that worked over by the Mets yet. His identity is going to be, even though the Mets drafted him, he's going to come up through Seattle's system. He's going to mm-hmm. consider himself a Seattle Mariner. And I mm-hmm. think that that is different than a guy who gets traded, even like J.P. Crawford, who's going to carry that memory of being a Philly with him for a long time. So. That's actually that's a really interesting point about that, and I and I wonder I don't recall if it was broken down by level at all, but that idea that you know yes you like especially if you're at a higher level you've been in an organization longer they know you really inside and out they've even perhaps had a significant role in creating that player mm-hmm. to being the way that they are or know that why they've struggled to create you know why the player has struggled to do certain things. Um, whereas, like, everyone still has just about the same info on Kelnick, who was, mm-hmm. you know, widely scouted, viewed as, 
you know, a potential number one overall pick and, like, you know, was just generally very well regarded. In addition to the fact that now, you know, while while it was always the case that, you know, people were getting better and better info for scouting, that especially in this day and age, there's just so much more data with, you know, what you get with TrackMan and with, you know, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of didn't really fully realize the way that teams share scouting data, or right. not even that teams share scouting data, but that um, essentially MLB tracks independently of like any individual teams. MLB has its own scouts and yep. people uh, who you know get the track man data and distribute like scouting reports to teams on minor leaguers and on prospects um, uh, at, like, all levels and before they're being signed. So, like, there's just such a high level of common knowledge that is not even, you know, not even on those daily habits things, but, uh, you know, on sort of the exit velocities and, you know, strength and fitness and types of things like that that... It's, I think, a lot easier to know at this point in time, you know, to have, especially for a guy earlier, earlier in his career, to have someone and, and, and not feel like you have nearly as big a information gap. So I think that's a really interesting point, Kate. And uh, There's a shared network of technical data, but there's not a shared network of makeup data. And so I think makeup and Lindbergh kind of emphasizes this point makeup is one of the biggest things and we saw makeup problems evidence themselves with Montero. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I think Mariners fans can kind of, because there's been a lot of responses to this trade, there's been some, it's weird how once you put on a Mariners uniform or <laughs> all of a sudden a very highly valued prospect is no longer valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems to be this weird industry wide trending downward thing um, that I think is, pretty unobjective but the i think one thing that you can take from this is the mariners had probably about the same amount of info of in kalanick as everyone else did yes. uh, you know he played half a season of rookie ball appy league which is advanced rookie but you don't have Years Basically, of that short data. season, right? I mean, right. that's equivalent. And so, like Everett, the Kellenic trade was smart because you could really only get him at this point mm-hmm. because either it goes on for a few years and then the team values him and won't let him go because they know that makeup data, or they make him available and then you're like, hmm, why is he available? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's a it's still a black box. Um, I don't know that we can feel one way or the other about it yet. I am doing kind of a deep dive for this week on a scouting report on him. Um, and, you know, I, there's a lot There's a, a lot to like there. It's so weird to see people say, well, he's not actually that good. What? Who said? What? How? No. Yeah. I mean, we've also heard just in talking with some people in the industry where they're basically like, the general industry take on him is significantly higher than public scouting takes. Absolutely. And I would Uh, also say um, know how to separate the perspective of 
an objective scouting, like listen to the scouting community maybe more than when this opinion has been milled through, especially like members of a fan base who are uh, <laughs> not happy with the team right now no. for a lot of reasons, right? So, <laughs> Including us. Uh, yeah, you know, no, like absolutely, <laughs> 100%. So I'm trying really hard to be objective about it as I'm um, kind of examining these different skill components but I there's just no reason to think that the, that this that is particular a bad trade. part is yes. bad yeah absolutely speaking of Kellenic and makeup um, I really have just been introducing myself to him or he's been introducing himself to me I guess through his <laughs> Twitter page um, and yeah. one of the only non-baseball things is this one that says I'll be honest Christmas music can really change your mood. But <laughs> he does not mention whether that's good or bad. So he's like, even when he's mentioning something not baseball related, he's like still playing it like right down the middle. Like he's not <laughs> giving away any like personality. Tra- he doesn't say like Christmas music is great or like I fucking hate Christmas music. He's like, it can really change your mood, which I think is just hilarious. He's like a very boring Twitter person, but yeah. this one is like the one where he like kind of had a take, but it's not even... A take, which I think is hilarious. He's boring, but he's boring in the way that Mike Trout is boring. Like, I can't wait for Jared Kilnick to discover what his, what the equivalent of meteorology is going to be for him. And he's like, stamp collecting. There it is. Like, just pick a completely (laughs) innocuous habit and then, like, that's his thing. And he's just going to be into that. And I hope it's something local, like craft brewery or like he gets like a french press and becomes obsessed with coffee or something Mm. like that maybe he'll be a Mm. hiker we'll see Uh, too dangerous no hiking no hiking you're out hiking by a bear that's Uh, true that is very true one of the bear bear enthusiasts uh yes just just talking about all the different kinds of bears he sees wildlife I mean, but he doesn't hike, so it's he just, he, didn't see any today. <laughs> <laughs> Update, didn't see a bear today. Or Hope maybe to he just like, gets in his car and, and drives to Northwest Trek. And he's like, Man, I don't like, know. The first time that someone did that would be hilarious. And like the first like ten times someone did it would be pretty funny. And then like the next like 30 times, if you just didn't see a bear, didn't make any effort to... It still kept tweeting about it daily. Like, the next 30 times would be kind of like, all right. But, like, it would eventually wrap around to, like, this is something I want to see every day of just, like, Jared Kellenick's quest, non, non-quest non to see a bear. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want... Jared Kellenick <laughs> avoids bears. <laughs> yeah, uh, yet again. I, w- like, I would watch that web series. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you know, we could monitor it on the site. It'd be great. Uh, Where were we? We were talking about. Uh, I mean, return. we could just pop to. Yeah, we could pop to. We we talked a little bit about. We were Santana. talking about Santana. I would add. Yes, young guy. I would say. I would love we, to get a yeah. young, high upside guy as opposed to like a MLB adjacent dude, which is a lot of their top yes. prospects because it's a lot of most guys. System, mo- most prospect rankings prize proximity over ceiling, unless you have an in, like incredible skill set. I was listening to a podcast with a, a Baseball America podcast where they talked about the Mariners' revamped system, and uh, I think it was Bill Mitchell put a 65 on Julio, which was, he was like, Ooh. this won't make it, but I saw him and this is what I thought of him. Um, 
but obviously that's the kind of thing that gets flattened out in like reviews because they're like, you can't put a 65 on a 17 year old who's never played in professional stateside baseball, which is how I imagine all of the baseball America guys talking. Um, (laughs) But yeah. So again, that's one of those things where like industry consensus and exposure, all these things factor into what we know about a guy Mm -hmm. or what we think about a guy. Uh, that's why yeah. it's kind of nice to not have any <laughs> information at all in the minor leagues. Like, I know nothing about the minor leagues, so I'm, like, learning all of this in real time. You're about to know a lot, because yeah. we're going to be so minors heavy. No, you are yeah. talking the to upcoming season. the number one West Virginia power fan <laughs> on earth. WBP. I'm so excited for that outfield. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Julio, Kalanick, and... And Stores, stores probably? Yeah, stores, stores, yeah. Which... I think we'll probably see something like that. Um, I mean, they, they're they very clearly trying to set up sort of the two staggered waves, waves yep. in a sense. Um, you the MLB-adjacent wave and the wave, the 2023-ish wave, 2022-2023. Yeah. Yes, uh, you know, it's, it's essentially the power group and the Arkansas Travelers groups of the next two years. So, mm-hmm. um What's I believe the, the going to look like is one of my questions. Like, who do we have that's like, is it just like Ian Miller and then like a bunch of dudes who are like have zero chance of doing anything? Like, I feel like we're it's in this weird place where they're all really, really young. I don't know what the pitching is going to be like. They will probably have Braden Bishop, which should be neat. No, the pitching is going to be. I think oh, Dunn's yeah. going to be there. Uh, really? No, they said. No, they said. Oh, they yeah, said no, Dunn's going to be in double A. Who's the one? He, he'll probably move up. Hopefully, who, he'll move who's up. Who's the one I'm mixing him up with? Ricardo Gerson? Sanchez? No. Gerson the person? Uh, Gerson the person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Max Posey might be there. Mm. Anthony Mashevitz might Ooh. be there. Yeah, Sounds I mean, great. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so basically, oh, um, T- Tacoma will have. Oh, your, did you your remember? Your dude Swanson might be. Oh there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I Swanson and Sheffield will Swanson probably be there. Swanson and Sheffield. I, Mike Curdo's latest blog, which if you want to keep up on Rainier's happenings, CurdoWorld.com, uh, one of the finest minor league announcers in the country, I think. Um, you can keep up with the latest Rainier's happenings there, but he said in his blog post today that the Rainier's are looking to have a few top 100 prospects this year, which is really exciting for them because they haven't had any since Tyler O'Neill, who was only there for half a season or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. So Was Vogelbach ever a top 100 guy? No. I mean, maybe he was, but not by the time he came to us. Sure. So. Um, so they're, they're excited about, so I took that to mean like Sheffield, Crawford, potentially some other guys, um, mm-hmm. cause it sounded like more than one, but maybe Swanson will be there. Uh, Joey Carletta is going to be at first base. That will be interesting. Braden Bishop, yeah. local favorite is going to be Manning mm-hmm. center. I believe we got Ian Miller fresh off his victory tour of the Tomateros de Culiacan. La Flama Blanca. La Flama Blanca, yes. He is having the best time. I'm, we're going to try to get him on the pod to talk about his mm-hmm. experience down there because he is loving it. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it should be. I'm hoping Chris Mariscal maybe at second base. I think he's kind of done all he needs to do in double A. He had a good Arizona Fall League. Mm-hmm. Um, would like to see him in the middle infield. And then I don't really know. Oh, Felia, Eric Felia, also yeah. a, a favorite, will should be up there. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be guys to... Yeah. It's it's the Modesto nuts who have been fun all along, essentially, who are finally graduating to that AAA level. So, there, yeah, there should be some fun between those guys and who are really, I think, the first class of prospects that we've seen grow up through this new player development system. We have them and then some of the new guys that have been traded for. I think there's a good chance Tacoma is... At the very least, it's going to be more fun than it's been in past years. Yeah. It's just been, like, literally warm bodies off the MILB reserves list. That is, I mean, I think that's really the distinction. Is like, I, I don't know that it's going to be actual top to bottom prospects. is great, but it, but it's, it, that is the thing. Like, actual you're going to actually have actual prospects. Who will actually right. one day, like, not Tyler Smith-like, one day play in an injury catastrophe 2017 season and bless Tyler Smith. I'm so glad he got his chance, but not Sam Gavilios. Uh, although, again, you know, sweet baby Sam. He's done some good things, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, guys with actual shots to be MLBers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just to put In a short, bow on the Santana. buy season tickets for the <laughs> Tacoma Rainiers and not the Seattle Mariners is my advice. Yeah. Um, You'll to catch sort me at a, a lot of storm games next summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Kikuchi. Kikuchi. Absolutely. Kikuchi. Kikuchi. The guy who's hard to sign. sign. We're, <laughs> we're just going to let you get this out of your system. <laughs> I can't stop. So clearly, Kikuchi. my next project Shapoopi. is just rewriting Shapoopy <laughs> with Kikuchi's name. I'm just Should glad you know easy. what it is. Oh, paging Leonard. Oh, yeah. This is uh, a job for Leonard. Leonard Sue. Yeah, Leonard. Uh, venerable song I mean, parody. If you want to cook up some fire, please make a Kikuchi Shapoopy song. They did. Th- <laughs> they did the Music Man in uh, in like third grade as like the musical. So very familiar with that one. And you, you didn't join in our song. Hmm. No, I apologize. Um, <laughs> I get it. I am, I am going to say, so again, I, I feel like I'm constantly referencing stuff on the site, but Jake wrote a really good... It's grammar. all propaganda, baby. <laughs> That's propaganda. PR. Like, We're pivoting uh, to propaganda. PR-paganda. You, you are the worst type man. Um so Jake wrote a piece today that's an overview of Kikuchi, if you don't know him or know his arsenal. Basically, you can think of him as similar to Clayton Kershaw, who he says he admires, um, but without the really good curveball. So that's just say, <laughs> similar, to na- similar to now Clayton Kershaw, not, yeah, unfortunately, not similar the to Clayton now, Kershaw that presumably history will yes, think of. hopefully. But similar to now Clayton Kershaw, but again without the curveball. So... He's a project. He's not. He's got a great slider. Uh, he's got a good fastball, although also some shoulder issues that go along with when he tries to ratchet it up. So that's a red flag. Um, and then either a changeup or a curveball. Jake, who I trust because he's our pitching expert, uh, says he sees more potential in the curveball. But you're not getting somebody who's you know this is not Otani like it's not somebody who's going to come over and you're going to be able to insert him into your rotation and just plug and play uh this is a bit of a development project and he's already 27 so well how much development there is to go 
I I mean, I think the majority of what I've seen is that he's been pegged as like around a number three starter. Um, but more l- less of the like star that people saw in guys like Tanaka or Otani in and or you know, even Maeda. Yeah, or even Maeda, but you know, is is sort of just like a a definite like an above average pitcher um who maybe could be a bit more if, you know, if it really hits and maybe could physically just I mean, he's small. He's he's not as big a guy as Darvish or, you know, a number of other players. Right. So he's, you know, he's sort of got the profile of a sort of smaller lefty who puts a lot of his body into his pitches and that sometimes works just fine and sometimes that falls apart and people worry about it a lot. Yeah, he sounds like Japanese Justice Sheffield a little bit. Very much so. I I think that's not super far off. Um, yeah, it's and I'm it's actually interesting that he doesn't have the pinpoint control. That's kind of a hallmark of a lot of Japanese pitchers. Uh, um, he's not yeah. have quite the command that some of these other guys do. I think I'm good <laughs> on Kikuchi. Like, it'd be exciting, and like I do think that's going to factor into their decision making because the Mariners definitely realize that like fans are pretty bummed, and the team is going to be bad, and like. You know, from a PR standpoint, if you can sign, like, a fun Japanese free agent and, like, have the Japanese fans in Seattle, like, come out and watch, right. like, that'll obviously be good for business. But at the same time, like, that's not what I want the team to be doing no. right now. Like, I would be really unhappy if they shell out a lot of money because um, the Giants are in a similar similar position, right? All very similar city, very similar, like, economics going on. Uh, similar fan base structure demographically. I think actually the Giants might have a bigger Japanese fan base than us. Um, Definitely a bigger Japanese population. Bigger, ja- yeah. So I mean, if we're assuming I don't know, that population-wise, okay. but uh, I don't want them to like get crazy trying to outbid the Giants and hamstring themselves from signing somebody who I think might be a better fit later on when the team is actually ready to contend. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. I, I will Me take and Matthew the, are on the same side. Yeah, Present I will your take counter the argument. I will take the counter argument then. Um, for one thing, like if nothing else, this is the exact type of signing that the Mariners should already be looking for, based on what they've done in terms of clearing contracts. Because you know, one of the things that's been talked about a lot is that they have prioritized clearing contracts more than they've prioritized getting back talent uh, you know and obviously they've still gotten some some very strong talents back prospect wise in the Segura trade and in trading Edwin and Cano but uh, you know I think there's a pretty solid sense that if they'd been willing to not <laughs> pair Cano and Diaz uh, that they might have been able to get more and so when you're trying to essentially get the most for your money, the best place to go is somewhere where you can just spend pure money. Uh, any free agent, major free agent contract that you're going to sign, pretty much anyone worth having is going to have a qualifying offer attached to it. And maybe that's not you know the end of the world, but that does mean you're giving up future draft picks for any other player that you're signing, essentially, if you're signing them to 
what would be a comparable deal to what Kikuchi is going to cost. That's not the case for a player from an international signing. Kikuchi just is going to cost money. There's no real extra side effect, and it seems like the expectation is that it's going to be somewhere in the, like, six years, 50 million, six years, 60 million range, which is not, you know, eight to 10 million a year is not going to completely hamstring you now or in the future, especially since there aren't going to be younger starting pitchers in free agency out there. Like, and the Mariners are so out of, you know, out of their depth and out of their element in terms of having a long rotation, you know, like if Sheffield works out and Dunn works out and Marco continues to be good, that's great. That is still probably three good starting pitchers that they have. And no front it, line. And and maybe Logan Gilbert is there. Maybe 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 in, Justice in three Blossoms. Years. Maybe Ace yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, even, yeah, I mean, but like, again, in all of these circumstances, like in these best case scenarios, like you still only have like three reasonable starting pitchers and there just aren't other, like other players who have shown that ability in the farm. And I don't think they have the resources or the players prospect or rather the, the players to deal to get more talented guys who will be ready within the 2021 window so that means either a signing them in free agency which again like nathan yovaldi is a big deal because he's so young at 29 in free agency right now like kikuchi is not amazing he's not perfect but like this is an average or above average starting pitcher who might even be more than that that you can get for a long time who's 27 like and only costs money and right. I, I think the Mariners can use him now and they can use him in three years and they can use him in five years and I, I don't I, I think this is the type of place that they should put their money okay I that think makes that's sense a fair argument. Yeah, yep. could definitely hear both sides. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll talk more okay. about the Rule 5, post-Rule 5, but I think the more meaty thing that I think is connected to the discussion we were just having about what to get out of a possible Carlos Santana trade is the idea of trading Mitch Haniger. And I'm going to plug, again, the site, because we did write a kind of roundtable on whether we thought Haniger should be traded or not, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, things split mostly down the middle. I have to notice, though, Matthew, you didn't weigh in. So, uh, what, I did what not weigh you? in. No, you didn't. So, like, uh, you want to give us a pod <laughs> podcast exclusive on what you think? Yeah, that that was my whole. Pl- I was playing the long game. I was trying to promote the <laughs> podcast by not weighing I, in. I appreciate. No. I appreciate the multi-platform support. No, in all honesty, I like had that tab open with the Google Doc and like meant to write something and then just you know, real life has a way of sort of changing your plans. But I will say, I think we should trade Mitch Haniger simply because he is the best asset we have. And like, if we're going to do this rebuild, like, I don't know why we're not going to get rid of the best trade asset. Like to me, a guy who is obviously not a major league general manager, that seems like the whole point. Like from the outside, it almost seems like we're like, 
going like 80% and we're like in the red zone and it's like just punch it all the way into the end zone, you know? Like I want to just do a complete reset at this point after seeing yeah. how the offseason has played out. And like Mitch Haniger was amazing last year. I don't know if his trade value will ever get better. And there are so many teams that could use an outfielder that are competing for the playoffs. And I'm sure a lot of them have great farm systems. I mean, just the Braves come to mind right away. Just as someone. Well, the Braves want him. So I think if you can extort some pressure on that farm system and try to pry away a few good arms, maybe a infield prospect, uh, there's Maybe Tuki so Toussaint, there. who I love, oh, I love more Tuki than Tuki any Tuki person I've never met And before. Tuki Toussaint loves Braden Bishop because they played on the Peoria Javelinas together last year in of the Arizona Fall League. And just yes. like, because everyone loves Braden Bishop, just became fast friends. So All right. I think well, we've very... completed another trade. I'm very proud of this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's sign the paperwork uh, and move on. I feel basically exactly the same, uh, Matthew. I'm, I'm, I don't like to be partway in and i don't like hedging bets and right. i do understand the wisdom of being like hey let's try this in 2020 and if it's 2020 slash 2021 and if that doesn't work we can reload and try again in 2022 2023 but i think that that's trying to have your cake and eat it too and i don't in my personal relationships i don't like being half in half out i like commitment and i think the, I, I don't know. I just value that. I think it's greedy to try to get everything at once. Uh, and look at landing readers. It looks like agree. Currently, the poll that we're running attached to the article is 41% say yes, we should trade him. 29% say no. And 30% have opted for the option that John told me to put in that I'm now regretting putting in. Not now, but trade him in the near future if it looks like the rebuild is stalling or if another team gets desperate at the trade le- deadline. Which I'm sorry that I put this. It should have been a binary choice. I should have made people be one foot in, one foot out. Okay, life is binary. One way or the other. <sighs> Some things in life should be binary. There are so many like things takes. I'm willing to accept as non-binary. That once in a while, the comfort of like a yay, nay, you know, where rubber meets the road, yeah. I think is sometimes you have to make those choices. Have a take, cowards. Let's, <laughs> let's have an opinion every once in a while. But I think, uh, Kate, you actually wrote this. Way to call out this. 30% of our audience, so thanks. Thanks for that. Hey, I'm here. To he, brought him, he brought him here with his, with, they wanted his opinion. Yeah, now they've people, got it. People come to this podcast to hear me talk about prospects I've never heard of <laughs> and the Utah Jazz. And that's what I'm going to do. And, and our Van fake, Harmonica. And fake Utah Jazz. Real and fake and former Utah Jazz. Oh, by the way, really I, need, the I need to change my answer for favorite fake Utah Jazz player. Have you guys seen Celtic Pride? Yes. Yeah, Damon Wayans plays Fuck. a fake shooting guard for the Utah Jazz who gets kidnapped by some crazy Celtic fans. Played by uh, Daniel Stern, the one of the robbers from Home Alone, and Dan Aykroyd, who seems like He's too good of a comedic mind to be in this movie. But that's my new answer. Lewis Scott, the Damon okay. Wayans character. That movie Terrible is... movie. Don't watch it. Yeah. It's really, really bad. <laughs> and also a Judd Apatow movie, which is surprising. Like I feel like that was before he figured out his niche. Like Why was he making a sports movie? Anyway. We all want a sports at some point. 
Yeah, but Kate, what you said on the site, again, read Lookout Landing, great website, um, about him being, Mitch Hanniger being 27, almost 28, like, that's sneaky old, especially if the window is 2021, like, he'll be in his 30s. And then you mentioned something that I really liked, um, the Adam Eaton trade that the Nationals did. Uh, okay, I was... stole that from John, so, like, let's let's oh. be clear about where the, the credit belongs. Fair, yeah, who, I guess... John, who is vehemently on the other side of this <laughs> argument, but nonetheless yeah. cares enough to make arguments for his friends. <laughs> worth, worth noting is also maybe the biggest Mitch Hanniger stan on this It's planet. true. So and I, I am going to get my time, but I'm, I want to hear you finish. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guess what I should have said is the trade that the White Sox made, because they were the ones who had eaten and then acquired some prospects. Like That, to me, seems like we could do almost the exact same thing. Like They are pretty similar... Uh, like numbers, Eaton and Hanniger, like by value at least, um, their you know profiles a little different in terms of like power and all that. But I think it while we have this opportunity, like we need to do it. And Mitch Hanniger, play like you, you saw what we got with Edwin Diaz, who was coming off an amazing season as well. Like Mitch Hanniger plays every single day and was an All Star at a premium position. Right. Like. Just fucking do it, Jerry. Like, I know that there's some attachment. Like, these are real people, and it's weird to just be like, oh, get rid of them, you know? Like, but at the same time, like, it seems like that's the thing to do. And if we don't, and then we just have, like, a 34-year-old Mitch Hanniger down the road on a team that's, like, not doing anything, then that's just going to be a constant reminder of, like, oh, well, we could have flipped him when he was at his peak for some pitching prospects or something like that. So... I think that there's a very reasonable case to be made that, you know, you, you want to deal Hanniger. And, and I think if the deal is right, you make the trade and you don't think twice about it because you're getting multiple star-level players back and some reasonable depth players that can help you sort of fill in those potential gaps. You know, I, I think that that's a reasonable situation. What I will say is that you have four more years of Mitch Hanniger for sure. And you also have a guy in Hanniger who essentially, you know, his best seasons as a professional and, you know, really the, the place where he became known as a player is Seattle. You know, it's not like this is a dude who's fully associated somewhere else. Um, you know, he, he does have a strong connection of being his best in Seattle. So I think it's not unreasonable to think for one thing that in addition to those four years that you could get Mitch Hanniger, who, as you mentioned, you know, is older for a player at this stage in his contract. I think you can get a sort of extension, sort of buying out some R beers and getting a, you know, what, what is, uh, what has commonly happened is sort of like a below market level extension in exchange for a few extra years. So you have him essentially through age 34 or whatever. I think also that a guy who's essentially his game is built around above average power, very strong arm, decent defense, and just really, really good plate discipline and pretty good contact is the kind of guy who his skill set should age pretty well. Um, so I'm not 
as necessarily concerned about him falling off a cliff in the next four years. You know, if you're really, if you're really thinking 2020, 2021 is when you're going to compete, that is a perfectly fine time to have a guy be 29, 30, 31 and have this sort of skill set and be essentially a star level player when otherwise you just don't have any other pretty people who have demonstrated star caliber play on your team you know like but isn't that kind of the point aren't we trying to like start over essentially and i know some people if you're gonna gonna suck suck out loud i've been saying that yeah but but the 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 Mariners are just like they're not going to suck as much as some of the teams out there suck right now, right? Well, that's like, true. Even right? if they trade Aniger, they're not going to be as bad as the Royals. They're not going to be as bad as the Orioles. They probably won't even be as bad as the Tigers. Yeah, like the White they're, Sox, they're, they're sounds like too. a challenge to me. I mean, like uh, you know, at at that point, like you just you're going to still have D. You're going to still have Kyle. Like you're going to still have enough just generally competent players in addition to the young guys who it, ideally you want, you want to play and play decently uh, you know like the it's not the the way that rebuilding has been nerfed in a sense uh, you know since the Astros and Cubs did it you know you're not getting a thousand extra draft picks like you're not getting a chance to just loot the international free agency system and and completely like outlandishly play it like you're gonna get some back end of the top five of of the top 10 draft picks and you're just gonna have to do a good job with that like instead of back end of the top 20 you know you're gonna get back into the top 10 and that makes a difference but it's not like there's not really any other rewards other than what you have and i think it's like at the end of a rebuild you want to end up with someone like Mitch Haniger like <laughs> and you already have him and if you're trying to actually compete which i i do th- you know the point you guys made of you're maybe half assing it that's true but i am i guess wary of the idea that a rebuild in this way that we've become accustomed to seeing it can really work at this point um especially with where the mariners are at where they are you essentially think, like, the total the total teardown is over like there's not going to be an ability to just suck for five years like the astros did and then come back and suddenly be amazing for a decade i think right now it was is dramatically harder to do that successfully because of the lack of parity in the league and because there are so many teams who are not trying i don't think you're going to get the same results you know at that the astros did you know the astros did this during a time where there weren't very many hundred win teams right like there were a number of years where there wasn't a hundred win team there are a number of like 92 95 win teams winning divisions uh, you know, and like last year, four teams won a hundred games in the AL. Like, <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> it, it was not like. And then like, I forget how many lost a hundred, but it, like almost the same, maybe right. even more. Like, like the Mariners. Because for all those hundred uh, wins, there have to be a hundred losses. Exactly. Like, it's it's just not it's just not the same landscape where you're going to be assured of getting top prospects out of trading away your good players, right? Like, 
because not only does that affect, you know, the draft position, but, you know, as we saw this year, like, or not this year, but just like, you know, the last couple of weeks, everyone was like, well, Gene Segura is like a four or five win, you know, a four win player. He's plays shortstop. Like there should be a good market for him. No, every team that would want Gene Segura that's trying to win already has, has a, a three to five win player at shortstop. Like any team that want would maybe take a chance on Kyle Seeger already has a better third baseman, except for the Phillies. But like, they're going to sign Machado because he's actually good. Um, so, you know, all of these factors sort of come together to really hurt you when you're trying to do this full teardown because your options become so limited. So I do think there is merit in saying, all right, we're going to stack the deck for this next shot and we're going to keep the best bet we have of a guy who should be a star then because he's, I mean, like Mitch Haniger in the last two years has produced as much value as, I believe Dustin Ackley and Justin Smoke produced in their combined, like, 16 years with the Mariners. Like, it's, you know, obviously they are famously, like, unfortunate examples, but, like... And they don't belong to this regime's prospect development, which I yes. think is the key. Yes, which is, which is not to say, like, oh, I mean, the Mariners I think it's are, fair to say a bird in hand, two in the bush, etc., but I, yes. I, don't, I would not make that specific comparison fair i mean i think you could you could point to i i don't mean that to be a point of oh the mariners specifically are just not going to get the best out of the prospects they very well could and that would be right. awesome i'm and just if saying they do, that that's one of my pet peeves right now yes, there's a lot of fair. people looking at prospect development and being like well the mariners can't develop prospects yes. well you haven't seen this front office develop prospects yet develop real yes. prospects so yes yeah. I, uh, That's kind of what it boils down to for me. Like, I want to see what this regime can do with, like, a whole mm-hmm. boatload of prospects. And I think mm-hmm. that's what you would get back for Mitch Haniger. Also, mm-hmm. like, just from a personal standpoint, like, I'm very pro-tanking. Um, I just <laughs> think it's, like, it's like weirdly fun. It's, like, kind of a little masochistic. But, like, I don't know. The Cubs and Astros are, like, obviously the perfect example. And then I guess if we want to cross sports, like, the 76ers have done it pretty well. And, like, mm-hmm. I just think that's entertaining. Like, like Kate said, and I think I've said before on previous podcasts, I'd much rather, like, fully suck than kind of suck, especially mm-hmm. with the way professional sports is set up, where, like, the teams that are complete garbage get mm-hmm. rewarded with the best draft picks. And, like, as long as that system is in place, I think you might as well take advantage of it. I do think you're right. Like, I did not realize the Orioles lost 115 games last year. Yeah, like, baby. Like, and, it'll be hard and... to be... And the AL East is going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> and they won't have Machado for the first half of the year. Yeah, it is pretty funny. Like, there were 300 win teams in the AL and also 300 lost teams. So, like, it's going to be hard to be, you know, obviously it's going to be impossible to be better than those teams at the top. And it's going to be pretty damn hard to be worse than the teams like the Orioles and the Royals, as you mentioned. Yeah. But, like, can we try? <laughs> like, I don't want to. <laughs> I think the worst case scenario is winning 75 games. Like, to me, I guess that's, like, there's some, you know, good things to be had in there. But, like, mm-hmm. I would much rather the Mariners win 65 games next year than 75. Yeah, I I think that's very fair. I don't think you have to trade Mitch Haniger to lose 
to to win 65 games. I guess is where I'm at. Because like that is also they true. don't they do not have a pitching staff right now. <laughs> like they just they just do not have a pitching staff. And if they're especially That's if they're true. trading Mike Leak and they just I mean as we talked yeah, about they I'm assuming don't Leak have a gone. bullpen right now. Like you know they're they're going to have. Seeger and D, and maybe they'll be a little bit better, which would be neat. And they'll have Malik Smith, which I keep forgetting. Uh, you know, so, like, they'll have, like, a passable outfield, but, like, they just won't have pitching, and they pretty solidly will not have, like, impressive infielders. And their catchers, pretty much a mystery, unless they're fully going with Omar Narvaez, which... That seems Maybe to be the they plan. will, but yeah. So I I, I think they're pretty strongly going to be limited, especially with the A's probably getting better and the Angels. It's hard to see things going more sideways for them than they did. I mean, don't count uh, out the Angels, man. They can go sideways. They've shown an ability true. to do that's so true. in the past that is almost that's impressive. True. I was That's pretty fair. amazed that um, the A's rebuilding on the fly, or the Angels rebuilding on the fly, is apparently going to work, whereas the Mariners rebuilding on the fly <laughs> was never going to work. I mean, is that just Trout? I guess that's just when you have Mike Trout. You're like, yes, anything is possible. But well, it is that. Was I that mean, what it's like. Article? Uh, I actually want to say it was MLB.com. I'm not sure. Let me check the. If it was ESPN, never count out uh, the big mouse, Disney, having some hand in that. (laughs) (laughs) I can put on my tinfoil hat real quick. Because the Mariners and Angels are doing pretty much the exact same thing with rebuilding on the fly, except for the Angels obviously have maybe the greatest baseball player of all time. But it is funny how people are like, now let's see if the Angels can do it. Whereas with the Mariners, it's like, oh, like the Mariners are an affront to baseball. What are they doing? Like, we've never seen them do anything well. And it's it is very funny to see sort of the media bias. It was Seattle. ESPN, so you can thank Mickey Mouse for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, should we take some questions here? Yes, uh, let's do it. All right, um, let's see. <laughs> uh, so we mixed a couple of the questions that we we said last podcast that we had some questions we didn't get to and then we would get to them this week. So we will be doing that, um, and uh, we will we will start with uh, this question from Chris from Bothell. Really start it with a posit- positivity. Uh, it's been a rough off off season for Chris, uh, as for for many fans. So I understand. Um, but the question is, if Edgar doesn't get into the Hall of Fame, is that more likely to change how you feel about the M's slash the Hall of Fame and or baseball or just confirm said feelings? If Edgar- so a week ago, I would have had a different feeling about this um, because now we've seen many more ballots come out. Or I think this was actually two weeks ago. So it's been a, it's been a little while since this question mm-hmm. came about. Um and I would have, like, fully leaned into the misery a couple weeks ago. But now it's like Edgar's been performing really well on the ballots. It's looking like this might be the lone bright spot that we have. Harold Baines is now a Hall of Famer. So, Indeed. Um, Long may he bane. Uh, I mean, whatever. I'm happy for him and his family. 
Um, but that does kind of point up that like a Hall of Fame with Harold Baines in it and without Edgar Martinez would be ridiculous. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, well, you can't, you can't say there's no correlation. Like the voting base is different, blah blah blah, and etc. Um, but I, I know that the people who are voting know that, and I hope that that's in the back of their minds. I think the bigger thing is it being his final year. He's really getting that that final year bump. He's been named on a bunch of ballots he wasn't named on previously. So. Yeah, he's gained on six, maybe seven at this point. Th- like It's looking real good yeah, for Edgar, it's looking which is really good. a huge relief. So don't spend your money on the 2019 Mariners. Spend your money on a ticket to Cooperstown. Yeah. Slash lodging. I think the lodging is where they get you. But. Yeah. We'll just have like 800 people staying in Isabel's apartment. And I'm going to cry so much. I'm going to cry. I Like, Lookout Landing is just going to be submerged in a pool of my tears for like... Yeah, I was going to say... Most of if, the season, probably. If any of you were not around in... I guess it was after 2016, right? It was. Um, when Kate did... Uh, the Edgar Hall of Fame, uh, 58 days? Yeah, How many days was it? Yeah, article a day. I think it was 58. Um, it was absolutely insane. It was uh, one of the more impressive things I have ever seen anyone do, especially at a time where, uh, you know, it was, I believe you'd pretty much just taken over the site. Like, it was not... Uh, it, it was a absolutely mad, mad, uh, undertaking, but it was really impressive. And the stories in there are really neat. Uh, and I recommend it if you, if you just want to see some more stuff about Edgar Martinez, who is really cool and as a player and a person. It was my magnum opus. Um, we will have some more Edgar-related content yes, probably later. Yes, we're going to do 12, 12 days of Edgar. Um, yeah post-Christmas and leading up to um, Three Kings Day. And then the announcement will be shortly after that. So, um, Indeed. I'm removed I just now say... from the idea, sorry, that I can influence the voters, uh, but I can pay homage, which is what I plan to do this year. Right. Um, to answer Chris's question, if Edgar doesn't get into the Hall of Fame, to me that reflects so much more on big baseball, I guess, and the voting base and the Hall of Fame more than the Mariners, which was his question. Like, the Mariners have been, you know, amid all of their badness, like, they go so hard to try to get Edgar into the Hall of Fame and, like, have been very good about that. So I think, like, if somehow he doesn't get in, which looks unlikely at this point, thankfully, like, I don't think there's any possible way you could get mad at the Mariners or, like, somehow be like, oh, the like, classic Mariners. Like, it has nothing to do with the Mariners. It's all these mm-hmm. writers who don't know how to recognize greatness. And then the other thing is, if it's Edgar and Mariano Rivera, like, those are, first of all, like, they're so That's linked. amazing. Like, That's yeah. amazing. Edgar, like, famously I'm just... thinking about it. He just destroyed Mariano Rivera. Like, pretty much the only person in the history of ever... Like, the history of humans who could ever hit Mariano mm-hmm. Rivera. So, like, that would be so cool <laughs> if they went in. And then also for, like, a certain generation, which I'm a part of, like, those were two of the guys. Like, Mariano Rivera, I thought, mm-hmm. was, like, so fucking cool. Like, as about as cool as you can be as a relief pitcher who's, like, not, you know, playing nine innings every day. Like, he just had, like, that 
which kind of makes him a little cooler i think like you just get this little glimpse of the brilliant and you're like (gasps) it's like looking at the face of god like you can't do it very long but like for me as a kid you're like oh he gets his own song and like nobody can hit him and he only throws one pitch like that was just so cool like trevor hoffman was the other one like the other big relief pitcher and the thing i remember about him was just like oh he throws a change up like boring i don't like changeups are lame. Now I have like a much better appreciation for it, but like it would just be amazing for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people. Like especially if you are planning on going to Cooperstown, which could be in the cards for me. Like just seeing Edgar and Mariano Rivera give back-to-back speeches would just be like an amazing oh baseball moment for me. <laughs> and then of oh course also like two guys like Mariano's from Panama, I believe, and Edgar like grew mm-hmm. up in America but has like the Puerto Rican. Puerto Rico, Heritage. yeah, Dorado, okay. Puerto Rico. Sure, yeah, thank you, Kate. Um, that would just be awesome yeah. too. Like <laughs> to have all those people who are there, like excited to see those people, like from those countries. Like it would just be an amazing weekend. So that's what I'm hoping for. No offense to any of the other people on the ballot who might get in, but to me, the ideal thing is Edgar and Mariano, and then the other guys can wait their turn. Um. <laughs> uh. Let's see. Next question here from Westcott at WDW for the taking. Uh, actually, two questions here, but we can we can run them back to back. Uh, so the first question is: It seems like Jay Bruce is staying, and Carlos Santana is leaving. How does one love a Jay Bruce? Should I be excited? Are his thighs thicker than Kyle's? Is his smile more mischievous than Ryan's? Um, and then his follow-up question is also, which prospect should he be excited to watch this coming year? Uh, so I figured we can tackle that first one, but then I think the second one, since we've talked a lot about Kelnick, um, maybe maybe we can pick a different can one. Focus on uh, someone or else, different yeah. ones each. Yeah, okay, uh, fair. Uh, so I am really ex- I just totally forgot Jay Bruce was a Mariner, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. my thing with Jay Bruce is like root your heart out for Jay Bruce to hit a bunch of home runs because then we can trade him for something cool. Like that to me is what the whole Jay Bruce experience is. Like the thing oh, to yeah. love about him would be his trade value. One hundred percent. Answer the question. So like absolutely, you can love Jay Bruce, and it's kind of like there's like a built-in expiration date, so you don't have to be like, oh, you know, like get too attached. You can kind of keep him at arm's length know that probably no matter what, he won't be on the team come July 31st. So I absolutely love Jay Bruce. Hope that he hits 30 home runs by the All-Star break and that some team will want him and give us a top prospect for two months of him. That is the whole Jay Bruce experience, and that's what you should be sort of looking forward to. And I think he will probably be the DH, so like you don't have to worry about him like submarining our outfield defense. Like You can just fully watch him hit and hope that he does that to the best of his abilities. Yeah, and and you can like if he is in the outfield or like playing a little bit of first base, but like if he is in the outfield, like you can just watch Malik Smith, just who is like one of the fastest dudes in <laughs> baseball, just like <laughs> try and like be like, oh shit shit shit, it's Jay, I gotta get to that. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> it's like which I I don't know. I always like watching players just realize they have to make up for their teammates like in in uh in insufficiencies and yeah that it'll is, be like uh, when a free safety knows that one of the cornerbacks is way worse and is like okay i need yeah. to help on this oh, yeah. side a little bit yeah. more but yeah that's yeah. the that's jay bruce like hope yeah. that he can yeah, just have a great trade. first Root half to trade yeah yeah 
Yeah. And he seems like he's got a reasonable, like, sense of humor. Like, he apparently, like, directly asked Depoto, like, when he got called, Will I get like, to wear the hey, uniform? am I going to yeah. get to wear a uniform? Like, yeah, like, sure, why not? Uh, you know, and it's not like he's, like, always been terrible. Like, he was pretty good, like, two years ago or, like, last the year before last year. Like, whatever. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, Corey Hart has was power. something once. Home runs. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, like, as long as we, like, you're not going to be dependent on his defense, and as long as, like, I don't know, Justice Sheffield doesn't, like, have a meltdown watching baseballs drop in front of him, like, it'll be fine, you know. Uh, so, Jay let's Bruce go also, to... Favorite sorry, prospect, he, favorite prospect. No, go for it, Matthew. Jay Bruce is also prospect. only one year older than James Paxton, which blew my mind. Like, I think of Jay Bruce as, like, very old. Like, I thought of him at least, like, yeah. North of 35. He is 31, and James Paxton is 30. So, like, that just... I don't know. There's no, oh, yeah. like, point here. I'm just saying, like, that is insane to me. It is pretty astonishing that you can just have that... Like, he seemed like he was, like, around the same age as, like, Brad Hopp and, like... Right. Garrett I don't know. Atkins. Just, like, a bunch of the other, like, bat-first kind of lumbering outfielder. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like, just that that whole genre of player. Um. All right, Kate. Favorite pros- prospect to watch this year? Uh, you shouldn't come to me first, cause you know what I'm gonna say. You can say. Nah, I won't say. It say it with your chest, I Kate. Mean, I mean, we could let Matthew let's go let first, Matthew since go he first. may let's have let's a let, he may have a slightly Matthew, shallower pool. Matthew, who has just discovered prospects, uh, Matthew, yeah. you go. I'm new to prospects. It's very exciting because we actually have a few. Um. I mean, sorry, I, I was going to say something, but it might step on Kate's toes. My guy that I'm going to be, like, keeping tabs on is definitely Josh Stowers. Um, he, to Wait, me, what? is, like, something that I've always wanted the Mariners to have, which is, like, the personality part is cool and, like, a big thing that drew me to him originally. But also just, like, that the outfielder with, like, speed, defense, and a good bat, like, we obviously have had that occasionally, but we've never had it all in one package. Like, the personality with the speed, the bat, and the glove since, like, Mike Cameron, maybe. And, like, Ichiro to some extent, but in a much different way, where he was very, like, unaccessible. Josh Stowers, to me, seems like the guy who, if he becomes, like, the Mariners' center fielder, will be, like, so beloved by the fans and the organization. And that's just all that I want yeah. for him and for the team. So that's why I'm, like, very in- invested in him. Uh, I think it's exciting that he is from a major college conference and he did well there. Uh, like, that all just seems like a good sign to me. I mentioned his dad is fantastic. Josh himself is pretty good on Twitter. Um, much more reserved than his father. Very funny. Yes, very funny. Yeah. But funny he's my guy. Um, he's, like, something yeah. that I've just wanted the Mariners to have for a long time. It's like if Michael he, Saunders didn't have bird bones and was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that I could say about that. If, <laughs> if, my, if Saunders, like, wasn't so Canadian and had, like, a little swag, but he yeah. just has and, Canadian swag, so. And functional, you know, Yes, and functional, uh, oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm excited to see what... Josh Stowers walk-up music will be. Michael Saunders famously had a Biggie song, which was one of the most shocking things I've ever seen in my life. Um, so whatever Josh Stowers does, maybe he'll 
you know, go that route. Maybe he'll do something that is also equally shocking. Like, I'm just very invested in him as a person, and I want to see what he becomes as he ages. Wow, that is not where I thought you were going to go with that, because I just figured we would all say Julio! Well, I knew you were going to say that, so I didn't say yeah. that. I mean, someone was going to say someone's Julio. Someone's going to so. say it, but I had, like, I had prepped a backup answer, because I just figured, and I mean, maybe we can all just, just shower some love on Julio later, but um, I listened to Justin Dunn's interview with MILB.com, and, like, Justin Dunn is not thrilled to be a Mariner, let's be clear. Um, Mm -hmm. He's not. He's going to say he is, but he's not because he is from New York. He went to school at Boston College. Like, he is a a back east boy, and he was so happy to be drafted by his hometown team. Um, I think the Mariners are maybe a little easier for him because he thought he was going to be a Mariner because he was mocked to us, I guess, in 2016. I don't know. I didn't follow that draft back carefully. Um, but so he had like already kind of, I think, come to terms with the idea, but then they went for (laughs) Kyle Lewis and whatever. So I almost feel like it's like he got away and then they pulled him back. Uh, so two, two trades kind of like that. I mean, Kelnick and, uh, yeah, Kelnick also mocked to us. So, and I mean, maybe that's Keith Law operate. Maybe Keith Law has some kind of person on the inside who's telling him what we like or value maybe he's close to one of the scouts mm-hmm. who knows um but mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of fairly accurate reporting i think mm-hmm. um so i just listened to this interview though and uh, although i don't think he's thrilled about being a mariner i was so impressed with the way he talked about his craft and his approach and i am just i'm a big justin dunn fan like he's a very cerebral kind of pitcher's pitcher, and um, I I like him a lot. I'm yeah, I also to listened to that he, interview, and it was good. I he mean, definitely he's smart, me. right? He's yeah. yeah, very well spoken. I think Brian DeLunas, it, like he's really going to be receptive to that. He sounds like a guy who thinks really hard about mechanics, and if there's somebody in place who can like do kind of more advanced metrics with him, it seems like he can. You know, he's not going to be one of those guys who just rejects that out of hand. So, And the thing that I, I liked really was like he mentioned that he talked to, oh, God, Paul Davis. Is that the new pitching coach? Is that his name? I don't know what his I name is. I think that's it. It's the new pitching Dave coach Davis, Paul of Davis. the Mariners. Yeah, Dave Paulus. Um, he said that Dave Justin, Dunn, Justin Dunn talked to him, and he said they have, like, the same philosophy on pitching, which I thought was interesting. That could also, of course, just be – like him saying that, you know, putting some positive spin on things. But, like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's interesting because I don't know, like, how many, you know, like, different philosophies can you have? You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting that he was like, oh, we have the same approach to pitching, where for me, an outsider, it's like, isn't the approach to pitching just, like, get people out? Like, (laughs) to hear that they have the same mindset, I guess, was very intriguing to me. Yeah. And he did mention, like, uh, I think when they Dunn asked him about being traded, interesting. he was like, oh, yeah, I knew that Seattle was very far away. So that part was kind of like a stab to the heart <laughs> where it was very clear that he only knew Seattle as, like, a place that wasn't New York. Yeah. You know, also, he's, like, what, 22 or whatever? Like, there's a yeah. lot of the world you haven't seen at 22, my son. And Seattle's cool, man. Like, you will probably like it. Yeah, wait yeah. until you find out we don't have humidity. Nor cockroaches. 
I will huge. say, yeah. He is going to be going to Little Rock. Although, I don't know. Where was Humidity he before? Humidity and cockroaches, but yeah. he was um, not I know he's in double A. Trenton, Trenton, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He came out of the Yankees. No, he came out of the Mets system. No, the Mets. Um, I don't know what the Mets are. I don't know. We can figure that out. Whatever. Anyway. Um, Back east somewhere yeah. where they have humidity and cockroaches. Yeah, I, I think both those are, you know, good options. You'll have uh, you'll have stowers for sure in West Virginia. Well, not for sure, but almost for sure in West Virginia to start, and maybe maybe moving up to Modesto, um, and Dunn will be starting in Double A, and hopefully moving up to Triple A later in the year um, if he's if he's performing well, which would be ideal um i know to be clear just real quick everything i said about stowers like could also be applied to julio rodriguez like they seem like they could just be like a tag team of like very enjoyable personalities and good baseball players that is like perfect from a marketing standpoint and a baseball standpoint yeah very much so um i guess i'll go with I'll probably go with Evan White, which is, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to go on this, but the be- probably the most players that you're going to want to watch are either going to be in Arkansas or are going to be in uh in Ar- or uh West Virginia. Uh I mean Evan Evan White is looked for the last month of the year like a legitimate star caliber player. Um, yes, and he and has started to like shoot up some prospect rankings, which is really exciting. Yeah, and so, I mean, what the Mariners reportedly saw when they drafted him was that he had essentially elite exit velocities, so he just hits the hell out of the ball, and that he always and that he had like good contact skills and good play discipline, but he had this sort of common for the University of Kentucky very flat swing, very contact and line, or well, contact, but specifically line drives and ground balls oriented swing. And if you're playing first base, that ain't going to cut it. Um, and so last, essentially the last month of last, uh, last season, they were finally able to fully sort of get him switched over to a more sort of arcing swing that has a little bit more uh, proclivity to getting the ball in the air and making those hard hit balls into legitimate power threats. And in addition to that, he is like the best defensive first baseman that a lot of scouts have ever seen. And I know that's not always the most exciting thing, but the idea of him and JP Crawford playing together for the next several years, where if your main issue is as a shortstop is that sometimes you kind of get too much air under it and you have the literal gold glove, you know, perennial future gold glover at first base. Like that's a really cool idea for me. And so seeing white hit, which is really the only concern about him right now, uh, that's just going to be really cool to watch because he's sort of someone that you can immediately see being a star and being at the Mariners being at the MLB level like in 2020 at the you know easily uh if if he just keeps it up uh based on what he was doing last year 
As I said, I don't know much about prospects, but I know that Evan White, like from everything I've read and seen, seems like a pretty like safe. Like his floor seems fairly high, right? Like he's yeah. not just going to be awful. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the the thing with him is like the worst case scenario, you can just make him an outfielder, and he'll still hit enough to be a decent outfielder because he's like quite fast and has a really good arm and a really good glove and he's played outfield so like you don't really have first baseman like that so the you know but like if and he I will actually say hits, having seen his defense in person like it doesn't set sa- you're right it doesn't sound exciting like whoa first baseman with great defense but it is actually a difference maker like he makes exciting plays at first he does dig picks that should be mm-hmm. impossible he does like dive for balls he has this great range i mean it just he shuts down that right corner right side of the infield and if you know if the mariners continue to have sort of a middling pitching staff which you know even if things go well still seems like that's probably going to be the case they're probably going to have a lot of contact based guys and that means more balls in play and that means it's going to matter more for them if they have a really exceptional right premium you know, defensive infield absolutely so uh all all of that tracks together pretty pretty neatly hopefully um let's see uh we had a question for or uh, from uh Evan James at Jeff Evan James Audio what is the best christmas movie and why is it elf I admit a personal fondness for Jingle All the Way and the Santa Claus, but they haven't aged as well. I M H O. Oh, solid choices, but wrong. Um, the best Christmas movie is A Muppet Christmas Carol, and that's all I have to say about that. Wow. Yeah, it is one hundred percent the Muppet Christmas Carol. I am certain I have not seen that. <laughs> <laughs> I might oh. have in my youth. You wound me. What's the I mean, plot? Light like the it. lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. Come on, there are so many good lines in it. There's a singing cabbage. Okay, definitely. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's the Muppets. I just, I didn't see the Muppets growing it's up. It's so good. You, you just, you gotta find it. Uh, very, uh-huh. very important movie to me in my childhood. So. Uh. All right. I think mine, if we're counting this, is Home Alone. I don't like. It's not really like a centered around Christmas. It's centered around a child getting robbed. But I think a Home Alone, like Elf, is great. But yeah. I think I would put Home Alone like count a smidge it. above it. Okay. Uh, I would say Love Actually uh, is. Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't seen Love oh, Actually, absolutely. but I don't know who to trust more here, Kate or John. <laughs> oh my God. You do not like Love Actually, it's Kate. It's the worst! <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Kate, why is it the worst? And then we'll let John explain why it's not the worst. Um, I, I want to punch every character in the face. What? Yeah, none of them are charming. I don't... What? I, I hate it. I hate it with my life. Not even the kid? Oh, especially the kid is oh you yeah. you're full you're oh Prusser, you are hateful I on am, christmas i am i am scrooge about dippy 
rom-coms that rely on the most tired tropes and an ever-rotating cast in order to distract you from the fact that it's the most formulaic storytelling and not at all charming. Yeah, I don't like it. I See, I love a formulaic rom-com. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might like this movie. Is great. No, formulaic rom-com is fine. But you have to, like, commit yourself to it. Again, it's that, like, half thing. You're trying to tell all these different stories, and, oh, God, I just hate it. I hate it. Um, I feel that it is a great film that has some serious flaws. It's got some serious flaws, uh, especially ones that have not aged that well. Uh, the Portuguese family whole thing is rather ridiculous, but generally entertaining. Um, I think that the little kid with, uh, what's his face, uh, from, uh, Taken as his dad, uh, Matthew, what's this dude, what's that dude's name? Uh, Liam Neeson, I'm assuming you mean? Not the Albanian uh, sex traffickers? Uh, yeah, with Le- the little kid with Liam Neeson as his dad. Fantastic. Uh, it's got uh, All I Want for Christmas is You with Mariah Carey singing it in, in the essentially finale. Absolutely fantastic. Um, really, really hate the... Um, What's-his-face who's Snape character and the just like unnecessary like issues that he has with his like employee that that storyline is dumb uh, but the uh, the one about the two like porn workers is very charming um, the uh, I utilized the uh, make a bunch of signs with pre-written things on them uh thing that is super creepy and manipulative uh in retrospect but seems yes! incredibly sweet at the time but when i first saw it's actually super creepy and manipulative for sure but definitely use that to ask uh someone to a dance and it went over great um so just like some good fondness on that um yeah i'm sure there are some other storylines in there as well uh yeah it's uh, it's it's good family fun. All right, I'll check it out and come back with a ruling. But I will say, John, you did not sell it very well. The fact that this movie, I think, was technically made after September 11th, is absolutely like just terrible, like scene setting because the entirety of the way that they treat the airport is completely like lun, complete lunacy. Oh, and uh, what's his face? The the guy who the the British guy who plays the prime minister. Um, those characters are very charming. And and his like love interest. I it, this would work a lot better if I knew literally any actor or actress's name, but has never been my forte. Yeah. Uh, it's a great. I'm going to declare film. myself the winner of this, and let's move on. Let's go with a final question here. How does that sound? Um, let's go to uh, Derek Dennis 
at D underscore league. Uh, which film protagonist best represent the represents the M's fan base mindset right now? Edward Norton as Jack or Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Spoilers. Uh, Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption. Or Will Smith as Chris Gardner in The Pursuit of Happiness. Kate, you've mentioned that you actually have taught... Uh, taught some classes on uh, using yes. Fight Club as a sort of central tech. When I was an instructor uh, at the University of Washington, uh, uh, I definitely themed a class around Fight Club for reasons. I don't know. I was in my early 20s. Um, yeah, it's edgy. It's what the people want. But as far as the question... Uh, we have the fans, 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 mindset. I mean... I, I'm tempted to go with Jack or Tyler Durden because you don't know what's happening exactly. And, like, maybe it's fine. And also maybe you're making soap with dead people. Is that what happens in Fight Club? No, I can't remember. Um, I think that's about right. They do. It's essentially that. Fight Club is also they do really some concerned weird with, like, materialism and stuff. And the Mariners seem to be, like, shedding all their stuff. So uh, maybe maybe that works, but I mean it's hard to get past the iconic image of Andy Dufresne crawling through the sewage pipe in the Shawshank Redemption as as a metaphor for Mariners fandom over the last like basically two decades of like just we just have to keep crawling and it's disgusting and horrible, but eventually we're gonna come out into the light and get to go to like an island or something. So <laughs> I want to go with that one. Uh. I will say I don't I, I have seen all of these movies. I don't have as strong a memory of um any of them or or rather as strong a memory of uh Pursuit of Happiness, but I do remember that he's just selling some like weird like personal computer ish like thing that nobody needs as like a door to door salesman. And that very much does feel like the Mariners in terms of trying to, like, get rid of their prospect. <laughs> right, or not yeah, their I prospect. Can, yeah, but I can see that. <laughs> uh, just, like, I gotta get rid of, like, I gotta sell more of these or else I just cannot function. Um, which is a pretty dire comparison. But certainly that that does tie on a little bit more. Um yeah, I, I yeah, I, I I could see points for all all three sides. I don't know that the Mariners, unless we are the kid, I don't know that the Mariners have quite as good of a, a thing. And unless they're just gonna like somehow swindle their way into like seats to watch the Forty ers somehow, uh, and whatever baseball equivalent of that they're gonna do, like trade Carlos Santana for Brendan Rodgers, like I. Uh, I don't know. I, that is, again, a pursuit of happiness memory that I don't really have. The pursuit of happiness one, if we are the kids, does kind of, or the kid, one kid, makes a little bit of sense because you're, like, just sort of watching the powers above you make a whole bunch of decisions that could either literally make or break your entire life. Uh, I believe in that movie, though, the concern was, like, 
they would be homeless or maybe they straight up are homeless which seems a little more apt for like the 90s Mariners where it's like if we don't win and turn this franchise around we are moving like we're not going to be in Seattle anymore um, from the Will Smith character perspective I don't know if I see it completely besides just like this period of my life is going to suck and be full of turmoil but eventually it will pay off that part kind of makes sense but I think the winner here is the Andy Dufresne one just like we got to crawl through this sewage and then eventually like Morgan Freeman will be waiting there with the margarita I think that's how that movie goes that one seems like the best (laughs) that sounds right that seems like the best one for our current situation and also that does imply that we are in jail which is also a little correct uh, yeah on the nose maybe but yes yeah just want to finish with any anything else uh, before we before we hit the road here? Yeah, I want to end with a, a take, if you may. It has nothing to do with baseball. Uh, Christmas music is terrible. It's really, really <gasps> bad. Yeah, I said it. I do, like. There's makes a, you feel some kind of way, huh? It makes me feel bad. <laughs> it really does. Just because, like, uh, I, this is gonna sound dumb, and like, obviously, there's an easy retort to this, but like. There's a reason why we don't listen to it at any other part of the year. You know, like, if it was just good music, we'd be slapping it all year round. And then, of course, like, okay, yeah, you only listen to it when it's Christmas season. Of course, sure, that makes sense. But it's like, like, why? Why can't I just listen to regular music for the whole year? Like, the only time I think Christmas music truly works is, like, Christmas morning when you're, like, opening presents. Other than that... I don't need it. I don't want to hear the Mariah Carey one is fine. It's whatever. But like most of them are truly just like not good songs. And a lot of it too is like in the spirit of Christmas where it's like very capitalistic and it's all these artists putting out Christmas albums just to make money. And like that seems gross to me. So Christmas music, in my personal opinion, is hot garbage. I said it. It's on the record. Wow, it's like the Motown Christmas album didn't even happen for you. I will say I was probably not alive when that happened. Sorry. Do you think I was? Well, I don't know. When... <laughs> Are you saying? Okay. <laughs> Motown, like, yes. 50... Matthew, no, Matthew no, has listen. redirected Kate's rage away <laughs> from me. And... <laughs> Listen. And my movie takes. I was assuming this was like an 80s, like, greatest hits that got all the old Motown people. How, like it's again, 60s Motown. How old do you think I am? I think that you were alive at some point during the 80s. Dig, dig, dig. Dig, dig, dig. But, yeah, I don't. The Motown Christmas album to... could be great. I've never heard it. I was going to offer to make you, like, a playlist of some of my best indie Christmas jams because there are some good ones. But just the entire, it's just Sufjan Stevens' no, Christmas God, albums. No. That has Is that real? With a, he's, I think, made multiple, yes. Oh, man. All right. I will begin, <laughs> faithful listeners, I will begin re-educating Matthew. Please do not be afraid. I will no, I mean, send me your best Christmas music. Also, and I will edit in so that our opening and closing oh, yeah, songs are Sufjan Stevens' no, music. No, Sufjan! <laughs> no, if anything, <laughs> it, has to be, it has to be DMX's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's the only Christmas song <laughs> I acknowledge. Yes. It's so funny. I mean, there are so many. That's good. All right, there's like a John Waters Christmas album. I just, I, I, I can't with you right now. All right, we got to wrap this up.
The people uh, will make their decision, but they know I'm right. I'm about to post my playlist. We'll do it. I'll gladly listen. <laughs> I just, I will listen to it and have an open mind. But the Christmas music that I have been introduced to in my life has not done anything at all for me besides feel really making me angry. I feel sad. I'm, I'm past anger. I'm sad for you now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm uh, doing well, all right. Before so. we, before we transition to a different stage of grief, uh, thank you all for listening to this. Uh, <laughs> contentious <laughs> podcast for many reasons takes, takes, uh, takes. yeah this is a good one it's a, sp- a little spicy guy um but a uh, holiday spice indeed um and uh we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week uh thanks so much matthew thank you kate um and yeah go m's go m's thank you for having me Travel plans, no shopping malls, no candy canes, no Santa Claus. Straight through that pool hole. Come on! Put off the red nose reindeer.